one, two, and we're ready to rock and roll here with Carrie Thomas of THT, Bloodstock.com. Carrie Thomas is a fantastic horseman, and Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bruno. Sound, you sound great on the other end. As people don't know, we've had a, a few issues on getting this together, <laughs> but hey, you're here. That's all that matters. We, That's right. I wanted to talk to you, first of all, I've had a chance to sit with you and your partner, Pete Dank, at the, at the sales and at the races, and I really respect what you guys do because you are horsemen. And I respect horsemen who can look at a horse and can tell you something other than the regular speed figure, speed bias, oh, this horse looks good, jockey, trainer. So I know you've done a lot of work out in the wild with horses. In a quick yes. synopsis, what is the one thing that you learned in the wild that makes you so successful looking at horses at the racetrack? Well, you know, interestingly enough, that I, I even giving seminars and lectures, you know, this is the one one thing that does come up, and and the most poignant thing out of the many myriad of things I've learned over over twenty years of field research is that, you know, Mother Nature conceals her leadership in so many ways, and you know, I got to when you're watching these horses in the wild, and I spent a lot of time, many many years, studying the predator prey interactions and how the environment affects that, how the tendencies affect survival and behavioral genetics and all those things. But in the end, you know, leadership is important and how mother nature conceals her leadership in plain sight by, you know, by the herd dynamic hierarchy. And the higher the horse is on the herd dynamic scale, the more purposeful their motion is. And that, that means that they're not as reactive to environmental stresses physically. Do you have an example that you can, that that we can, Kind of talk yeah, to I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a good example that I, I like to use, and I'll give it to you from the wild standpoint. If you're, you know, if you're a mountain lion and you're looking out over this herd of horses, okay, what do you focus on? You focus on what you what you see, what bring what brings attention to themselves, and that's the infirm horses, the young, and the horses that are mid level to low on the, on the totem pole, physically trying to get themselves, you know, uh, through the herd or, or pushing other horses around and things like that. And very often, those are the horses, like the loudest kid on the playground, sometimes has the most things to hide, the most insecurities. And the, the higher level horses, they, you just don't see them. More often than not, in nature, uh, they don't do anything that's going to bring in, in attention to themselves until it's time to do so. And, you know, that translates, that, that, that's a natural thing in the herd dynamics that translates to uh, horses in, in every discipline. Every breed, you know, it's a natural herd dynamic trait. Now, that's not to say that horses aren't expressive, and, and of course they are. There's a difference in the inflection of the expression, whether it's purposeful. I mean, Zenyatta called the ground. That was an expression. But she didn't do it out of fear and anxiety of, of getting her butt beat. She was asserting herself. There's a difference in, in that inflection. Is, and the, the horse language in that way is, is uh, it's a big jigsaw puzzle. And it's a fascinating study. Now, how do you take that? Now, let's, I think we've captivated people right now. They're going like, well, wait a minute. The, the, the quiet ones are the ones that I need to be watching. Is that what you're saying? I, well, the quiet ones you don't want to overlook. I can tell you that much. <laughs> that, that's, that's for sure. You know, you go to the paddock and you're sitting there looking at horses. And you got the horse that's standing on its hind legs. You got the one that's over there and he's bringing attention to himself because he's on his toes. 
And then you get the one in the corner that's just walking in circles, real quiet, head down. That's the one you want to look at from a, it, from, it, a it, from a physical standpoint. Mental. From a herd dynamic standpoint, right, certainly. And but the, you know, of course, and then when it comes to racing, you're you're you have other factors involved. You have the, the physical conditioning. You know how how athletic they are physically. Um, but when you have, and those things can certainly override, especially in the shorter sprint races. Uh, you know, that translates, it's more of a physical thing more often than not than it is a psychological thing. Um, but the longer distance that a race is, the more uh, power and, and impact the, the herd dynamic and the psychology is going to have on the, on the environment and therefore the other horses in their field. Now, let me ask you this. What makes a racehorse successful? A, a successful racehorse is, is a horse really that has the, the perfect storm of a, a great physical talent combined with an elite psychological ability, you know, and when we study horses and when, in the herd dynamic study, you know, we, we were analyzing the this herd dynamic profile is analyzing their natural tendencies, their traits, their characteristics, how they're handling stress, uh, their sensory system, how efficient they are. Basically, you know, you have two parts of a horse. You had the physical horse, and then you had the psychological horse. The psychological horse, just like any athlete, is what optimizes physical talent. And one thing we look for when we're looking at the horses at sales is, you know, does this horse have the psychological tendencies and traits to optimize whatever physical talent it's going to have? Because you don't want the, the, the opposite to be true to have a, a longevity and a successful racehorse. You certainly don't want to breed to that, in my opinion. At THT Bloodstock, you and Pete selected Run Happy. What did you see mm -hmm. in Run Happy as a yearling? Uh, you know, I can still picture Run Happy, you know, we first laid eyes on him. He had just all of those very unique uh, characteristics of, of, a, of an elite herd dynamic. He, he was able to, uh, you know, interpret the environment without having it affect him. He had a very elite sensory system and you know he just had he had a very uh strong feel and presence you know sometimes we get so caught up with analytics and all these numbers but you know and it and the game is driven largely by emotion you got to rely on your instincts you know sometimes you just have to let yourself see what's actually there and try to instead of trying to make yourself find something and you know that's a key for that and, and run happy had such strengths in, in every area that we look for uh, and they were very consistent, you know, through the process of a sale, we're studying these horses. We, we narrow it down to a short list and we combine, you know, we're a full service bloodstock agent. So we, we combine the physical with the psychological and go through a sequence of, of evaluations up until they even get to the sale ring. Uh, hey, that's, interesting. And that's an interesting point because I've done a lot of work in the back ring and picked out horses, but. I found the gravitating more to go looking at all the horses that I, as many as I can, like at the Keelan yearling sale. Mm -hmm. And I find a horse that I think has got all the, all the parts. He's got all the parts, not only the angles physically, but I thought mentally he had it. And then I watched that horse come into the ring and he completely fails because <laughs> he gets into the ring and all of a sudden that neck goes up. It brings, he's bringing all this attention to himself, which I take it as being negative. I love a horse walking around the ring. They'll come in in the ring a little bit more, you know, a little bit uh, on, the, on the hyper side. But the one that after one turn drops his head down and just goes around talking about the, 
um, I was basically discussing about the back ring where horses just seem to come into that back ring and completely lose their minds. Is that what you're actually referring to is the change in their ability of coping with the outside world away from their nestled home that they've been, it, they've been there? If, if you think about this, okay, as a herd animal, when you isolate the horse from the herd, you are isolating their strengths as well as their weaknesses, okay? So these things become uh, very poignant in a positive or negative manner, and they directly impact physical ability. I don't give a dang how talented you are physically. If you can't optimize that psychologically, if you can't handle the stress, and the key is, and you asked me earlier about one of the things I learned, one of the biggest things, too, is adaptability. The, the herd dynamic is what allows the horse to adapt. And it's very, very important. And, you know, it, it's, like, again, there's, it doesn't mean that every horse has to go completely calm. There, there's a, you know, we, we do evaluations to get a base of where the horse's psychological rhythms are. Where is that individual's normal? And how far away from that normal zone, whether it's high rev, I mean, we have a bunch of different terminology for that in-house. But, you know, I'm looking for adaptability. I'm looking for the process how long it takes them to process and, you know, and how much effect that's going to have on their physical talent. Because here's the deal. You, you can have a, a really a whole bunch of physical talent, but if you can't hold it together very long mentally and you're burning a whole bunch of emotional energy, you know, after six furlongs, you might be toast. And that's the reason why sometimes, even though if your pedigree says you can go a distance of ground, they mentally can't do it. And I always say this, it's what it's between their ears that makes you go a distance of ground. Have you find Absolutely. out? Have you found that to be the truth? Absolutely, yeah. I was just going to say I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, you know, it, it certainly is because you know you you it, it's how a horse. Uh, one of the key things and is identifying how well they're going to what, what I like to term and Pete and I term you know term is distribute the emotional energy. Again, it goes back to you can prepare yourself so you're blue in the face for any, a certain event. You know, I can read and practice and do all these things. Uh, to give a speech and I can be so well versed in everything but if I get up on that podium and I'm looking out and I'm all by myself all of a sudden I'm out of my comfort zone and things aren't familiar if I seize up guess what it doesn't matter how well I prepared you mean pretty much what people don't know you and I have been going through with this podcast putting it oh together. my god yeah, this is, this, <laughs> what, what is this take 10 what, what, what we're going yeah, to get exactly but hey, <laughs> let's go into two-year-olds because I really want to bring this up you know, before the gremlins pop up again here and, and, and cut us off. Two-year-olds, Boldor was one of your horses that's running for Asmussen now. Run happy, as we mentioned. Name a couple of other horses that people might know right now. Uh, you know, I, I have to mention a little, uh, before we just, the time gets away from us here, you know, Bourbon War, and, uh, that, that, that's a horse that you really don't want to fall asleep on. You know, we... You, you, there's, there's every, everyone has stories about horses that the ones that got away, you know, I could give you a laundry list of horses that we felt so strongly about, but our clients, for whatever reason, just didn't pull the trigger. You know, uh, Vacomo is one of them. Uh, you know, Dortmund was one of them. Uh, you know, Bayern, one of them. There's, there's a laundry list of horses. And, but the most recent heartbreak for me was Bourbon War. And we looked at him uh, at the Florida sale last year, two-year-old sale, and he just had, you know, uh, so many of the strong characteristics. I, I was just felt so strongly just instinctively 
and everything that I wanted this horse really, really bad. And we just couldn't get the, the you know, the client just didn't want to, you know, they have their own reasons and, and it's, not, it's not our money. So, of course, you know, all I can do is uh, Pete and I, we can just advise. But he's one of those horses that had such a strong, herd dynamic, uh, emerging strength. And, and the kind of horse that I looked at as being one that's not going to be in a flat, be a flash in the pan where he's going to, you know, sizzle early and then fade away. He looks like the type of horse to me then and now that could be heading into a peak for the, for that first Saturday of May. And I just, uh, yeah, that was one that got, one that got away from, uh, from us, for me personally, uh, really, I was really heartbroken about that. And I, and I'm really happy to see him doing well. And, uh, I told them, I thought they had a special horse on their hands at the time. And, and Mark Henning is one of a good friend of mine and I love Mark and, and I'm so happy for them, but let's talk about, I want to, I want to kind of, give people a parallel of, of, of how you and I look at things. And it's funny, you and I have sat next to each other at a sale and we see the same thing, but we have different language. Here's what I saw with bourbon war. I saw a horse that I think first time out, he almost went down to his knees, but he, he kept it together and he actually ran a decent race early on in his career. And he was quite immature. And then you fast forward and you watch him, in the allowance race that he won at Gulfstream prior to the Fountain of Youth. And what I saw is a horse that was totally one with the jockey. When the jockey wanted to move between horses, he went right through horses. And when he wanted to split horses at the top of the lane, he went right through. I call that a dynamic of a horse that actually can handle the different stress and multiple horses at one time and be able to handle it and not worry about his space. A lot of horses, I believe, cannot handle their space. And that's well, you know what's see- interesting about that is that the more the, the higher the, the higher dynamic a horse has, okay, the more psychologically versatile they are. To to they, they they can handle changing environments that happen very fast, but they can handle them with ease and they can adapt on the fly. And and the, here's the other thing I, I like to look for that I think is very very important is you know I don't need a horse to be brilliant his first two times out. What I'm looking for is is the growth patterns. You know, you, a horse to me who's a very strong and, and developing athlete develops through the course of time and experience and gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And they put it together, and, and particularly colts. Sometimes colts, you know, sometimes boys are a little bit more dense between the years, and it takes them a little bit more time to learn, if you will, or get seasoned and get the experience and put that into play. And, you know, I like that emerging strength. Uh, and, and I was just, if you look at the fountain of youth from a herd dynamic standpoint, uh, you know, bourbon, he was just getting started at the end of that race. That mile 16th was, in my opinion, from a mental standpoint, a piece of cake and he will continue to get stronger. And, you know, of course, this is going to be a good year. Every year there's lots of really good horses. That's just one example. Um, well, let's bring I, a second example. Talk to me about war of will. Oh boy. There you go. There's one for you. You know, so, so here's, so, you know, every year we do the Derby report and I try to write an interesting introduction uh, based on the year's research or something new that we're working on uh, in, in, introduction part. And, and, you know, watching war of will kind of, and we had that conversation on Twitter uh, through a few different people and, and you and I as well, but here's an example to me of, of how the strength of a herd dynamic can actually control physical pace and physical speed. So, you know, 
the higher the herd dynamic, you can have a horse that's got a real high herd dynamic, but maybe not quite the turn of foot as is the horse behind him. But if that horse behind him is deferring to him, he's going to slow down. Explain that yeah. real quick. Explain that real quick, what you mean by that. Well, I mean, a higher herd dynamic, if, if, I'm, if I'm an elite herd dynamic horse and I'm sensory sound in all my aspects and I'm cruising through the environment and I'm controlling the environment, I'm also controlling things in that environment and in the motion of other horses. And so you can be a real fast horse. And if you're within, you know, a certain physical range where, you know, I'm not, I'm not talking about being 10, you know, 20 feet wide and that kind of thing where you're not really in that zone. But if you're, if you're within that, that circle, you're within that herd dynamic area parameter, you're going to be affected by that. And you're I'll not going to pass Let me stop you right there. Country house made a move at war of will and mid stretch. He got it close enough to war of will and he logged in. I went back to Orb in 2013. Risen star. What I saw was war of will in front country house making a run. And as soon as he got into that, that comfort zone that war of will had around them, it seemed like country house lugged in and lost his composure. Was that a herd dynamic? And what do you think of War Will? Well, I mean, I think I think War Will's got a, a, a boatload of herd dynamic strength and, and physical talent. I mean, there's another, you know, I was just talking about Bourbon War, but War of Will's got got a, a tremendous amount of strengths. And you know, I'm looking forward to studying these horses in, in greater detail as they get closer to the Derby and as we get to Derby Field together. But uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty dang awesome horse. I mean, you know, I think you know it's, it, it's funny. Um, a number of years ago, I bought a horse. Uh, as a two-year-old, he had a really bad shin. He got over it. The first day on the track, he comes out and he stands at the gap and he looks around. And I'll never forget his name was Red Redding, and he looked around like he owned the place. And I uh-huh. thought Nick Hines was training him with me at the time, and I remember calling Nick and going, "This horse has got an incredible, incredible presence." And you and I've learned to watch for that presence that horses bring out. And War Will is one of the horses that I think has the presence. Bourbon War had that presence too when I started watching his works and I got an appreciation. But one of my all-time favorites was Zenyatta. Oh boy. <laughs> Mine too. Why? Mine too. Why? Well, you know what? Back in gosh, when she was like 2009, uh, my first laid eyes on her and I had the pleasure of with John Sheriff's to go in and, and, you know, see her. And, you know, I, I hadn't at that time we hadn't uh, developed full on herd dynamic profiling. Everything was still, uh, you know, in motion. And I was putting all, all this together uh, uh, from 2008 and nine and what we have now in 2019. But, you know, she has had so much of, of all these characteristics before I even had official names and, and slogans for them, you know, for in-house terminology. But if you go back, you know, one, one of the coolest things to me, one of the most poignant moments for, for me personally is, is when she won her first you know, apple blossom. What was that 2008, April of 2008, the grade one apple blossom in Oklahoma. When she shipped, you know, it was, it was her fourth race. She's, she's in there, you know, with, with ginger punch and, and uh, brownie points, I think. You know, if, if you watch that, when she's coming home and you want to see something really interesting, watch this wave of emotional energy affect those two horses in front of her that when she's coming down uh, on the back and that's to me that was kind of a turning point that the emerging or her dynamic strength was blending itself with her physical 
talent, you know, and all coming together with seasoning and maturity. And I think that was the moment for me, at least, where those two things converged and solidified for her because the impact she had on that field was just, uh, in my opinion, uh, pretty, pretty forceful. And, and she's just, to me, the, the picture of her dynamic strength, especially on the, on the females. You know what's interesting when you bring that up, and, and I think back, uh, Tis now. And that was before maybe you were out. But I watched him one time before. Actually, it was right before the Breeders' Cup in 2001. And McCarron was going to work him a mile. And they brought him out about 930. And he basically said, I'm not going to do it. And people took it as he was refusing. Instead, uh-huh. instead, there was three horses on the track that were about ready to walk off. And he stood there and he watched them walk off all the way off the track. And then went ahead and worked a mile in 36, went on the way in the Breeders' Cup. Fast mm-hmm. forward to 2014 or 2015. Uh, 2014, I think it was. Um, no, I had to be 2010 with Zenyatta, 2010, 2011. I watched her come in at Old Hollywood Park. And she would come right up underneath me on the stands. And she'd stand there watching and she's pawing at the ground. And I'm looking around saying, there's no horses on the track. What is she doing? I look up at the three eights and there's one galloper all the way at the top of the three eights pole. Mm -hmm. She knew that horse was there. She watched that horse go by her. I watched her head move with that other horse, watched it walk off the track at the shoot at the three quarters. And then she went on about her business. Yeah. She was pretty much like tis now going, this is my domain. This is where I belong. And you you don't belong here. Get out. (laughs) You are dismissed. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's it's amazing. Hey, it, I wanna, it's a fascinating thing. It's a fascinating thing. And I want to throw and I'm so California Chrome, Carrie. What comes to your mind? You know what comes to my mind with California Chrome is uh, fortitude and perseverance in, in his her dynamic. I think they were the two. Uh, the, the depth of grit in, in him was was something that stood out to me. How about American Pharaoh? Uh, calm, poise, you know, a lot of internal strength. Uh, I think American Frail was, was, was that kind of quiet horse, if you will, that epitomized the emotional strength and fortitude that you may not see or recognize if you just walk up to a horse like that. Justify. My man, you know, ju- justify. Uh, I, I think he was the complete package. And I think he is the complete package, but I think from, from an athletic standpoint, the complete package. And, you know, I, I, I dismiss the, the anti justify comments, you know, personally, because you know, from a herd dynamic standpoint, I, I really didn't care who he was up against. I don't think anybody was going to take him down, you know, and, and I think one thing that needs to be always be remembered is that, you know, in, in a horse's world, they don't have to beat another horse by, you know, by 50 lengths to be, to be dominant, you know, as long as they control the space and control the motion and can hold off horses and, and really impact the environment and have horses slow down or not want to challenge them. It doesn't matter to me if they win by a nose or, you know, by a body length or 10 lengths or whatever, if they're controlling that motion, they're controlling those horses. Uh, you know, to me, they're superior athletes. It, what, what really became apparent to me is when I watched them gallop after the Derby and I watched him gallop, and I thought he was not only a fantastic horse from an athlete, athletic standpoint, but his mental. Um, right. You know, it was phenomenal. And the Preakness proved it to me. When Mike Smith is at the wire and his elbows are tucked in, 
He's not driving. And if you see pictures of Justify at the Wire, you see all the other riders with their arms fully extended driving those horses. And here's Justify with Mike Smith sitting on his back with his arm tucked in. And everybody, oh, he was done. I, I found it to be one of the more disgusting displays of, 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 from professionals on a horse like Justify, the way they attacked him. He wasn't fast enough. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. Well, you know what? They were wrong. And they, they, ridiculed, they really should be ridiculed publicly for what they did because they showed they knew nothing. But I want to bring up one other horse with you before we talk about a little bit about what you do and what you're going to be doing. City of Light. City of Light, yes. We, you know, we, had the, we, we consulted on the herd dynamic evaluation. We consulted on that purchase as a yearling. And, uh, you know, we, Pete and I, he, he was just a really, again, he had those characteristics, you know, uh, in the herd dynamic when we evaluated him at Keeneland. He had, he had those core uh, building blocks, that core strength. And, and, you know, he was the type of horse that Pete and I uh, could see as going to be a developing horse, get better and stronger as he – get seasoned and get maturity, but he had, he had the, the foundation of, of an elite athlete and a, herd, a very elite and powerful herd dynamic in the making. And, you know, and that's the thing. If, if you, I, I just could never, I mean, horses are a big investment. I mean, we, we both know that. Everyone knows that. That's my pocketbook. <laughs> I could never, to me, it makes no sense to make that kind of investment without getting as much information about your investment option, you know? And it's like, uh, this plays the, the, the psychology, the herd dynamic, all these things play such a, such an important role in the horse's ultimate ability. So you were talking about investment. Let's pick it up right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, from, from an investment standpoint, for me, it, you know, the, the psychological athlete plays such a, an integral role in the ultimate, you know, outcome and, and the, ability for the horse to perform, to optimize physical talent, to, to not, to not utilize that information in, in your investment strategy to me is, is just a very uh, irresponsible thing. I mean, horses aren't cheap. No, so, they're not. No, they're well, not. No, they're not. <laughs> and, and Carrie, the one thing that, that I, I, I want to give you a lot of credit on is the ability of the way you can actually describe it. Um, I, 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 when I when you were talking about Zenyatta and the Oaklawn uh, uh, and the uh, Apple Blossom, the way he moved, the way she moved, the way she acted, uh, that can work the other way too. I watch horses make moves, get behind horses, and the Red Sea parts. Oh yeah, here they go through. Or I see the opposite. I see horses making a move, and the other horse is going, "You're not going by because you're nobody." Right. And, I, and, my, and, you know, so I, I do believe that there, there's do believe there's a, there's an hierarchy that when Zenyatta came along by, she parted the Red Sea because there was like this wave of, of, of not I don't want to say when I say emotion, but this wave of confidence coming at him that I think the more insecure horses just fall apart. Now, people out there might be going, what's he talking about? But, you know, you see it. There's certain horses that you get alongside, you know, you're going to beat them. Oh yeah, it's the same thing. I mean, listen, listen, it's the same thing in in human ath- athletics. I mean, you're here. Here's the deal: it's, it's, if you the higher you go, I'll use baseball because I like baseball. The higher you go through, you know, single way, double way, triple way into the majors, okay, from high school to college and all that kind of stuff. The higher you go, 
okay, the, the playing field, the physical talent begins to even out. So what separates these elite athletes? It's their, it's their mental fortitude. It's their mental athleticism. It's their ability to handle strength or stress and their ability to adapt to changing environments. So if you, if you have that, you're going to optimize and, and even pull more physical ability out of yourself than, than you would you know, what normally would have because you have such mental strength. And, and that's what separates, you know, it's, okay, if you want to compete at, at the average level, if you just want to compete, if, you, if you're happy with average as, as being excellent, then, okay, that's fine. But if you're after, uh, if you want to recruit higher and you want to, re- and you want to have a, a better investment strategy, then you, you have to think outside the box and think a lot more forward than most people. And, and, and I find that when I look at horses and I'm watching them in the morning, that there was a horse named Japan that Mod had. And I thought Japan had a lot of talent. And then a couple of times I saw him hook horses up. And he came back and he was all winded and he looked right. like he was tired. That's a sign of stress to me. Or I see Gateworks and they come out in front of me and the horse one beats horse two. And then when they come back, the winner of the horse one looks all stressed out. His eyes are bugging out. His nostrils are flaring. And the one that got beat by a length is coming back like, I didn't do a thing. You know, right. uh, or I've seen horses on the inside get beat by half a length. But their left ear is up. They're well poised physically, mentally. Their space was not affected by the other horse. And all of a sudden, they gallop out. They show more strength. They show more, more gallop out. They do everything right. And they pull up. And they're bouncing back like, like. They, they just didn't do anything while the other right. horse that finished in front, everybody's like, well, that horse won the drill. And I'm like, no, the other one did because he's actually the one that was actually did it easier. And his space wasn't affected. Um, I love I mean, because, about that stuff. Well, and, you know, here's the thing. And, and for a horse, you know, winning and losing is, isn't always uh, as indicative of where they finish physically. I mean, just, just because of what you're looking at and what, where, where we have a finish line, quote unquote, that isn't always where the herd dynamics lay. I mean, it, you know, we train them to be a certain way, but from a natural standpoint, you know, as long as they're controlling movement, they're controlling the, they're controlling the other horses, you know, and uh, it's definitely fascinating. It's definitely fascinating. It's, 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 I I also, I also believe in one thing. We're talking about confirmation. I also believe that horses are very much like ADD patients or ADHD affected people that they have to focus so much on being able to focus on their task that it wears them out. I think some horses with conformational issues that the, 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 they have to work so hard to be able to put their legs down instinctively correct, because I feel that in, 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 in a predator prey world, if they don't put their feet down correctly and they fall down, they're, they're subject to be, you could be food. And you could be food. So when I see horses that are not conformed correctly, they're bad movers. And that's why I note it. It takes them so much of their uh, mental ability to hit that ground right and, and, and use the best of their speed for a short amount of time until their brain basically breaks down and says, I can't do this anymore. You know, my, my, my late father used to have a saying. When he was coaching baseball, and he would tell us to be loose as a dish rag, boy, be loose like a dish rag, and and you know basically you you, you be very fluent because here's the thing, her dynamics and, and the psychological ability that, that that fluency allows the body to be fluent, you know, and if you right. have a horse that's if you have a horse that's a physical, 
express or when it comes to stress, they're going to be very hard on their bodies. Okay. So you're going to have to pay, pay a lot of attention to the physical confirmation because they're going to be hard on themselves and how they're reacting to things. You can get away with more things physically if you have a more sound mind. So there's where you can find some value on some horses that may be overlooked because if they have a real uh, good psychological foundation and they're, and they're not putting extra stress on their bodies, well, then you can get away with more things, uh, in my opinion. Yes. You know, it, it's like one of the things that I look for is horses that walk good through the knees, even if they're a little bit more uh, offset than normal. I feel that if they're confident enough of a horse and they move through the knees well, they're actually going to be able to perform better on the track than a horse that even is even further correct, but mentally can't handle it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I find horses to be incredibly, I, when I go to the sales, I look for a mental part of that horse first. I've had horses, carry where I, I let them walk away from me. They're cool and everything. I walk around them. They walk away from me. And I change my stance. I get down on a knee or I even take my jacket off or I do something to change my stance. And I've had horses turn around and go straight up in the air like, who's this? I didn't see this guy here before. They forget <laughs> by the time they walk away from you to the time they turn around and they look at you and they go, well, wait a minute, what's that? They completely forgot who I was and where I was standing. That's the horse I don't want. Because how are you going to teach that horse when you take him to the track, get him to go around a couple of times, you teach him some things, then you've got to bring him back and you got to do it again the same day, next day. So well, yeah, the, the, more, the more times a horse has to pinball around to, to different types of stimuli and they have to interpret and then reinterpret, that, that's going to minimize their versatility. So, you know, it's a very key thing to understand. It doesn't mean they can't become an athlete, but it, it, it definitely puts, puts a, a, some handcuffs on the type of athlete they're going to be able to, to be, be successful at because – you know, it goes from being a, a one-trick physical horse, a one-trick pony, if you will, to a horse that has a lot of versatility and can handle different types of environments. And, and, that, and, you're ta and that you're talking to good horses. To win yes. the derby, you have to have those traits. There is no if and buts about it. It can't no, exactly. be a figure. It cannot be a figure. It is not a, a bias. It is not a sheet number. It is something that can't be seen. And we touched on two of them today. Now, Hidden Scroll, you probably haven't seen. This is my take on Hidden Scroll. He's got a lot of ability, but his sensory perception of what's going on out there is not quite what it should be right now. That's just my two points on what I've seen. I don't know if you've had any experience, and I look forward to seeing your report, you know, when you come out for, for, uh, for some of the other major races. Tell us where you can, we can find the THD bloodstock report. Tell us a little bit about where they can find it and, uh, and how they can buy it. <clears throat> well, the, 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 Derby report, you can find the old reports by going to our website, thdbloodstock.com. And you can also go there and go to our blog. I put some research papers up. You can, you can get down through the blog section and check that out if you want to learn more. And I highly recommend the 2018 uh, Kentucky Derby introduction, the introduction piece to the Derby, because I wrote a, what I feel is a very important piece that I put out last year on that. And that's on our website. In the toolbar, you'll see a, a section called Big Race analysis and you can drop that down you'll get the pdfs and then when the derby comes out the, der the derby report we try to get out not long after the draw uh and it's offered through brisnet we've been partnered with them for quite a while um so brisnet will have it again this year for us and uh, and that's where it'll be you know what, uh, Carrie? I, I I could go on talking to you all day long. <laughs> you know what? Hey, 
And you can also find us find Pete and I both on Twitter as well. Oh yeah, that's right. Why don't you give them uh, your uh, your quick uh, where they can find you? I am at I'm at Thomas Herding, one word, and Pete is at Pete Dink. And I'll leave you with this. About four or five years ago, you and I were sitting in the two-year-old training sale. And we're watching this two-year-old colt with the pony heading out. And it looks like it's a tug of war. It looks like two puppies playing with each other. And you looked up at me and you go, I hate that. Talk, tell, just in a quick synopsis. How does ponies affect racehorses in the afternoon? Or even at the two-year-old training sales? Well, they, they certainly can because, you know, the, those, those, some of those ponies uh, have a, have, they have a herd dynamic as well. I mean, they're horses. So, you know, if you have uh, some, of those, some of the greatest assets to a thoroughbred in training is a really good pony. Uh, there are certain things a horse can teach a horse that we can't. They can also, they can also wear them out a little bit. If they're, if they're uh, a high-level horse and they have a, a, a young thoroughbred who's not quite up to snuff, uh, he, he might let him know about it. You know, he can cause a lot of internal stress and anxiety and possibly sap away the emotional energy of your athlete. So you, you definitely don't want that. But you, herd dynamics play a role in every single part of a horse's life. It, it is who they are. It's how they live. And they don't turn these things off and on. This, this is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, this is the horse nature. And these things happen and they have an effect on every single part of their lives to, to not – to not apply this and to not consider this uh, in, in your evaluations, in your purchases, in your handicapping, you know, you're, you're uh, missing a big component. How about blinkers? Uh, we could do a whole other show on blinkers. Uh, Let's do know, that. Let's do that what, without all the gremlins and the issues. Let's do that. We'll, come, we'll get them to come back. I have a lot of different opinions on the equipment. As a matter of fact, in last year's, uh, like I mentioned, the 2018 Derby report, in the introduction to that, excuse me, I mentioned and talk a little bit about equipment in that introduction. So, but we can we can expand upon that greatly because I have some strong opinions about that. Yeah, let's have some fun next time. Hopefully, we won't have the many gremlins, you know, on this thing. I think we have. I think we're on take fifteen. But uh, yeah. but you're awesome. Uh, I, mean, I love you, brother. You know. And I really look forward to doing this again with you. I, I appreciate the opportunity, Bruno. And uh, sincerely, you know, we've been, been a lot of things uh, going on in with, with family. And then I've been very much uh, spending my time and, and focus on and taking care of some, some family health issues and being here for that. So uh, things are going pretty well. We're starting to turn some pages here and I'm uh, looking forward to focusing and, you know, scheduling the sales. And, uh, you know, if anybody's interested in that, they can contact us, contact Pete, and um, we'll go from there. God bless the Thomas family. You're an awesome person, Carrie. I enjoy talking to you, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk soon. Folks, I hope you've enjoyed this with Carrie Thomas. I have, even despite all the technical issues we had that you won't know anything about. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I hope you've enjoyed this, and we will uh, talk to you on Friday where we're going to talk about Bullet Works. <laughs>